This is the Good Neighbor Podcast, the place where local businesses and neighbors come together. Here's your host, Garfield Bowen. Welcome to the Good Neighbor Podcast. Are you in need of some swimming lessons? Well, one may be closer than you think. Uh, today, I have the pleasure of introducing your good neighbor, Kirsten Sepatelli with Tiny Bubbles Aquatic Academy. Kirsten, how are you doing today? I'm great. Thanks. How are you? I am well. We're excited to learn all about you and your business. Tell us about your company. Um, I've established my company in 2006. Uh, I was the first in the Treasure Coast to do so. Um, I started as a elementary school teacher, and after seven years of teaching in Palm Beach County and St. Lucie County, um, I had brought my children to um, a survival swim class in West Palm Beach when they were three and one, and I was just absolutely mesmerized by what they could learn at such a young age. Um, I, I had grown up on a lake in Massachusetts, and I always felt it was very important for my kids to learn to swim, but I didn't realize how much they could do at such a young age. Um, and when I realized that, I really wanted to do it, but I didn't have the access to a swimming pool for use um, until I moved up to Port St. Lucie. And when I did, uh, we built a house up here, and um, when I built my pool, I saw the opportunity and, and grabbed onto it and uh, started it in 2006. And it has just grown exponentially since then. And uh, this is our 18th season this year. We love teachers. You know, uh, they're um, one of the most unappreciated professions, I think, that, you know, all every successful person to look back to one or two teachers that really touched their life. So, you know, thank you for, you know, teaching. Absolutely. Um, the, the the whole swimming thing, too, is I, I, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, that's like the number one cause of death among children is drowning. The interesting thing is it's the number one cause of death for children ages one through four, which is um, the age where most programs will put floaties on children and have them in group classes with their parents. And the only thing that really teaches them is that water's fun and that there will always be someone to help them. And the reason we do what we do, um, our program is one-on-one -on -one with the child. Uh, the parents are not involved until the end because we are creating independence in the child. Um, with the lessons being one-on-one -on -one with the instructor, we are able to uh, introduce skills to children that they don't know, guide them through doing it repetitiously, and then fade off of that um, help and allow them to learn how to do it independently so that if they were to have a water uh, or aquatic emergency, they would know how to survive that event. And that's the difference, I think, with my program versus uh, traditional swimming programs. And I guess that's where you get the tiny from, right? <laughs> <laughs> I guess. <laughs> yeah, and, and it, it, this is really uh, fascinating. I, I think being at it's the number one cause of death. I mean, I think that should be a requirement, really. I mean, that, that there should be more emphasis placed on everyone, every child being certified at that certain age to avoid something like that. Is there anything like that in the works? Um, I don't think so. No, there just isn't. I think, I think now, just recently, the American Academy of Pediatric has recognized that children under four can learn these skills and that it's safe to do so. Um, but it's we're, we've come a long way, but I don't think we're quite there yet with um, having mandates or 
things like that. What are some of the myths and misconceptions about survival swimming? Um, I always get the question, do you throw my child in the water? No, I don't throw your child in the water. Um, I, I, our lessons are one-on-one, -on -one, and I think that, um, just like I said before, the, the, the ability to survive a swimming um, accident or, or an aquatic emergency. So if I'm, if I'm constantly at the pool with my child and letting him jump off the side and swimming to me and I'm picking him up every time, then he's learning that it's okay for him to jump in the pool and somebody will always be there to catch him. And if you're teaching a child that you're teaching them that it's safe to do so. And when a child goes and jumps into a pool and doesn't have the wherewithal to look first, because children don't do that uh, to check, to see if there's an adult there, then you have a problem. And what we do, what the myth, the misconception is that, you know, our program is traumatic to children or make, you know, crying during their lessons is a um, not a good thing. Children will cry when they're uncomfortable. Children will cry when they're with a new person. They will cry when they're learning a new skill or something that's uncomfortable to them. And the, the end goal for all of this is that your children will cry if they get into the water that you will hear a cry if they get into the water because when you teach a child to roll to a float and rest, then you're teaching them how to cry. You're teaching them how to get to the surface and cry for help. And children that don't have these skills will jump into a pool and they will not make a splash. They will not cry because they don't know how to reach the surface. So I think the myths and misconception is that floaties are good because they help us to float and that if we teach them to just swim to the wall or swim to a parent they're learning how to swim but they're not learning how to swim because what if they swim to the wall and they just don't get to the wall and you're not there to save them then what happens the unimaginable right the thing that every parent does not want to have to happen to their child where we teach them if they get to the wall and they grab on and they can't get it they just turn over, swim and roll to a float and then they they can call for help or they can reassess the situation and try to swim and get the wall again. So it's a backup plan is what we're installing in these kids, which I think is the most important thing you can give a child. Okay. Do, do you do anything for adults? <laughs> <laughs> Occasionally. On the off season, I do adults just because so many parents, especially uh you know, people from the islands, you would think you would expect them to learn how to swim when they're young. They just don't. And so many parents have come to me and said, please, could you teach me now? Because this looks amazing. And I want to know and, and my child knows how to swim and I want to get a pool and I don't want to uh, be unsafe myself. So I think it's important at any age to learn how to swim, um, especially in Florida, where there's water just everywhere. Cool. So for full disclosure. Yeah, I can swim, but I can't float. So I can't swim. Does that make any sense? Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. <laughs> you probably can float. You just you have to believe you can float. You have to relax enough to be able to do that. And and you know, it's it's a skill to be learned, but definitely relaxing is part of floating. And I, I think some adults overthink things. You know, the older we get, the more we overthink things. And I think that's part of the issue with adults that haven't learned to swim at a young age is that they just overthink everything. I took a class, I took a swimming class and they, he had his hand on my back and forgot where the equilibrium or whatever is. And 
I was floating for, for, me, for me to float. I was pretty much almost all underwater to float. Occasionally. So it wasn't a, I do it have, wasn't a comfortable I have, float. Right. There are some people that are muscularly dense that just don't float at the surface and sometimes have to kick their feet up a little bit to try to get themselves to have an even plane. And some people really just can't float very well. And that's just the body types and stuff. Sometimes it's just like that. But babies oh, and children float very well. And if they're taught that, they can uh, they can survive some. So we got to talk afterwards and we'll, we'll, we'll get the babies in there, okay? There you go. <laughs> So, uh, Kirsten, when you're not busy running your business, um, what do you like to do for fun? Um, I like to exercise. Um, I, I spend a lot of water water time, and in the water, I'm just kind of one third of my weight. So I try to, you know, stay active when I'm out of the water. And I do love traveling. I love traveling to like the west, like the mountains and the national parks. My husband and I have been. We've checked off eight national parks recently. So. It's, I just like the nature and the environment and just being out there with nothing. <laughs> What's your favorite destination? Um, so far, I think um, I think Zion National Park was just the best, most beautiful place I've been so far. It's okay. in Let's change gears a little bit. Life often does us curveball. Let's talk about one life challenge, one hardship, something that you can look back today and say you're better and stronger because of it. Um, what comes to mind? Um, well, I one challenge or life challenge is I, I, about three or four years ago, I went through, or five years ago, I went through a divorce. I got out of an um, abusive marriage. And it just taught me that that I can really do anything that I put my mind to and that mm -hmm. it's allowed to be who I really am. Mm -hmm. um, and I also am... A, in a long distance marriage with my now husband who was my high school sweetheart and he lives in Massachusetts. I okay. Okay. So we have, we have minor children and we both mm -hmm. recognize they came first. So we make it work. And when they're grown, we'll be together. So that's a challenge a real challenge, that's, but that, that's <laughs> wonderful. Um, so I, I want you to tell our listeners, one thing, one thing they should remember about Tiny Bubbles Aquatic Academy. Um, one thing is that uh, swimming lessons are not one size fits all. Um, there is the one-on-one -on -one lessons are super ben beneficial because we train them to towards independence um, through repetition and expectations. We train them to rely on themselves in the water. Um, we give them the knowledge and practice scenarios that guide them in working their way out of uh, situations that are unsafe. Uh, we teach them essentially to swim, roll to breathe, and then turn back over to their belly and continue swimming. So it's not exhausting. They have a chance to rest, reassess, take a breath as long as they want. They can float, turn back over, and continue on. I have children under one swimming a 30-foot pool independently with nobody touching them by doing so. Um, and also if they were to fall into a pool with clothes on, without clothes on, you know, in a bathing suit, they would still perform the same skills the same way uh, we do practice both. I know um, our listeners with kids, grandkids, nieces or nephew or have one word on their on lips right now. And that's how, how can they get more information about the tiny bubbles Aquatic Academy. 
Well, I would encourage people to go and look at our Facebook page. Um, it does show hundreds of videos, hundreds of children. We've had thousands go through our program over the last 18 years. There, we are also on Instagram and TikTok, and we can be reached on 772-521-4556, and that's a text-friendly number. Um, so there's many ways to get in touch with us. We love every one of our swimmers. We have uh, we create bonds with our kids and our families, and we are really like a family. Um, so we hope you join us. Well, Kirsten, I really appreciate having you on the show, and I wish you and your business the very best moving forward. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to the Good Neighbor Podcast, Port St. Lucie. To nominate your favorite local businesses to be featured on the show, go to gnpportstlucie.com. That's gnpportstlucie.com. Or call 772-362-3840.